Today we are doing a bolus episode. Have you guys heard about Blue Zones? They have been making news with this new four-part Netflix documentary called Live to 100 by Dan Butner. It was really well done. I watched it with my dad, who is a health nut. Like he's determined to live forever. Really? And, oh my gosh. Let's not don't get me started. That's a whole nother thing. But anyways, okay. so we binged it because it was so good. And so I remember texting you and being like, you need to watch this so we can debrief and have a discussion. Yeah. So I'm glad you did. <laughs> I'm glad you told me about it because it is an interesting topic. This idea that there are places where people are living to 100 regularly. Not that I personally want to live to 100 necessarily, <laughs> but it's interesting to see that these communities are like to, to know what these communities are doing so differently than everyone else. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So in the documentary, we visit the blue zones, which are five specific regions identified around the world. They included Okinawa, Japan, the Nicoya Peninsula in Costa Rica, Icaria, Greece, uh, Sardinia, Italy, and finally Loma Linda, California. And this is an area where the longest living people reside. They live to 100 at the highest rates in the world. These people are living vibrant lives, happy lives, without trying. As in, you know, they're not in the lab on a vent or in some kind of gym. <laughs> Can I just say something? The Loma Linda kind of surprised. I wasn't thinking any of the Blue Zones would be in the United States. I'm going to be honest. Agreed. I didn't think would, yeah, 100%. that surprised me. <laughs> that, that was a surprise. Agreed. Yeah. I mean, I think one key observation from watching this documentary is that these locations are geographically remote and modernity has not crept in. With the exception of Loma Linda, which is why I think we were surprised. Right. But right. it is culturally isolated, not geographically isolated, because of their tie to the Adventist church. It's like a really strong tie. Right, right. Yeah. So the irony, I think, of this is that modernity appears to be negatively impacting our life in more profound ways than we realize, which shouldn't be surprising to any of us because. While technology makes our lives more efficient, you know, think cars, cell phones, appliances, we end up doing less with our bodies physically and become increasingly reliant on modern conveniences. And I think all of that comes at a cost, which the documentary shows over time that cost accumulates. Yeah. Yeah. That was a great takeaway, I think. Right. So for this bolus episode, we came up with four summary points and practical takeaways. Because for the record, we are not anti-modernity. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Let's be clear. Yeah. <laughs> this is the IV Drip, a podcast designed to give you the dish on health topics you need to know but didn't know to ask. We are your hosts, Dr. Maliha Mohideen and Dr. Diani Becky. We're both Harvard-trained anesthesiologists and besties. Join us as we explore hot topics that are rarely discussed but can have a huge impact on your life. Okay, so number one, I think first off, it is to eat simply. 
Mm-hmm. As in food can be basic, simple, plant-based, which is a really trendy word right now to say plant-based. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just mean like plants, things you grow. Because people in these communities have to rely on what grows locally as a food source. So it tends to be obviously plant-based and very simple. They don't have big grocery stores. Um, so they really truly had to rely on what they grew locally. Also, I noticed there was no single magic food. You know, sorry, kale, avocado, Brazilian nut. I don't know. I'm going to say, though, you know, I just recently came from Japan, lucky me, and I did seek out that purple sweet potato. I'm sorry. I know there's no magic food, but I wanted that sweet potato. (laughs) (laughs) I needed to incorporate it in (laughs) Yeah, I saw that in the the episode. (laughs) But it's the variety of plant-based foods. I think practically speaking, we like to go out and we enjoy a really good meal. We're foodies. Mm -hmm. So realistically speaking, we're not going to stop eating out for fun. But at home, maybe just be simple. Like it doesn't need to be complicated, farm to table, artisanal. Like it can be basic. Rice and lentils, rice and beans. Roast some sweet potatoes with a little bit of cinnamon and salt, you know, like a simple fruit salad where you toss in a couple chickpeas. It doesn't have to be gourmet. Just, you know, they threw a lot of herbs in it to to make it taste better. And, you know, Dion, I think I'm going to start posting some of my plant-based meals or snacks on Insta. Okay. Because I was going to say a lot of what you just said, you already cook. (laughs) Yes. These are already in your personal cookbook. I use this all the time. I use my Instapot all the time to like. Oh gosh, I love my Instapot. Yeah, I just throw that on there, steam stuff. I make rice and, you know, I'm Indian, so a lot of rice and mm-hmm. vegetarian dishes. So I'm kind of used to not always having meat. But, you know, I think over time we can retrain our palates to like real food and not artificially engineered foods, which Mm -hmm. is definitely contributing to the obesity epidemic. You know, and I also liked, I think it was in Japan, they have that eight out of 10 rule, which means you stop eating when you're comfortably full, like eight out of 10, not when you're stuffed, which I think is easier to do with real food than when you have like a bag of Takis or like hot Cheetos in front of you. Or pizza rolls, which were my favorite (laughs) in college. That eight out of 10 or eight out of 10 rule was big for me because I feel like my eyes are way bigger than my stomach Mm -hmm. and I tend to push the limit. So I definitely have been thinking about that a lot more lately since seeing yeah i mean i think that goes into another trend that you hear of which is like mindful eating yeah but it's that idea of just being aware like if i'm am i actually full you know i don't need to eat till feeling stuffed i can i think the rule is like if you can get up and walk around or go for a light jog sort of say like you've eaten enough you know maybe not right I see you yeah. looking at me like nobody's trying. <laughs> okay. Um, number two. Okay. My number two takeaway was go manual. I, you know, mm-hmm. we know this already. We've talked about this before. Take the stairs. Maybe try to hand wash dishes and dry them. Carry your groceries. Put away your groceries. Take out your trash. Go for walks outside. Better yet, take a walk with a friend. Mm-hmm. Again, 
these blue zone communities don't have modern luxuries. So they're grinding their own corn, washing their own clothes, gardening in their yard. And, you know, again, practically speaking, I am not going to start hand washing my kids' soccer uniforms. Not but <laughs> it's good to acknowledge that our society has been engineered to keep us pretty sedentary and isolated from each other. Yeah. You know, we need cars to go everywhere and machines to do our work. So it's like we have to go out of our way to incorporate exercise, flexibility, and the range of motion. Whereas these centenarians are just going about doing their daily tasks and chores. So it's inbuilt into their lifestyle. You right. Know? Um, in fact, many of the chores are traditionally done with other people, like harvesting, cooking together, or washing, because it's hard work and easier to do when you do it in groups. Ironically, while modern appliances take the hard work out, they also make us too self-sufficient, less reliant on each other. And over time, we see each other less, not interacting. Yeah. And that has mental health repercussions. Mm -hmm. You know, we saw the extreme version of that during COVID. Groceries are getting delivered to our doorstep, DoorDash, Uber Eats. Like mm -hmm. we don't need to go to the store anymore. Here in Phoenix, we have a new service called Waymo. Have you heard of that? No. Yeah. They're self-driving cars. Okay. Hmm. Yeah. So it's kind of replacing Uber. And it's like, we never need to see people if we don't want to. And I get these things are convenient. Like they have their place, mm -hmm. but interactions with other people, even these small interactions matter. They're incredibly important. We are social beings. We thrive in tribes. We Always need to, have. Yeah. yeah, we need to feel connection. We actually will not survive in isolation. Um, you know, and it made me think, Dion, we send our kids to preschool, not because we're like trying to teach them how to read and write. We could right. do that at home. The goal is for them to learn social skills, mm -hmm. right? And, you know, I think sometimes adults need to go back to like preschool. Preach. And, Preach. And learn, <laughs> like, get along. Share. Not everybody is going to be exactly like you or have yeah. your own opinions. That use doesn't mean you words. can ignore them. That's right. That's right. Did you say use Be your kind. words? Yeah. Well, yeah. basics. We got to go back to the basics. Use your words. Kind. Be kind. Words. Right. Hands right. to yourself. <laughs> Hands to yourself. That's a good one. <laughs> okay. Oh. You can tell we have little kids. Okay. Um, <laughs> Number three, speaking of all the socialization in preschool, I think that prioritizing time with other people, like really mm -hmm. carve out time in your day or your schedule for other people. We have this serious loneliness epidemic in America. You know, the Surgeon General Vivek Murthy wrote an entire book about this. And in that documentary, I learned, you know, it costs 15 years in life expectancy in America. Loneliness. You it's can't, incredible. yeah, you can't take a pill for that. You can't buy your way out of true isolation and loneliness. We really need to prioritize living near family and friends because life is hard. And again, we're, we survive in tribes. 
That's right. In all the blue zones, the centenarians had some sort of social circle. Some were organized around activities like volunteering and tennis. Others were products of close-knit communities that allowed for regular social gatherings like wine. Mm-hmm. I love I loved that. I know that's, a, that's an example you picked. <laughs> um in, in Nicoya, they had like this local village bar that they would hang out in. Um, the and I could be saying this wrong, but I think it was Moai in Okinawa where I think they it's have the Moi. Com- the Moi, Moi? In Okinawa. Yeah. I think it was Moi, yeah. I looked it up, the pronunciation. I'm still getting it wrong. But anyways, um but this was very important because they they have these committed, close social circles who pooled money in times of hardships. So it's like a chosen family. All the people in these zones had family close by, which is different than most developed nations, as you and I have experienced. True. I mean, I yeah. think about when my parents' generation moved here from India, and I'm sure the same is true for your parents moving from Nigeria. Right. You know, they went from an extended family dynamic to living apart from each other. Because they were all trying to find places to work and it and it wasn't easy for them to be apart. Uh, you know, I experienced the same when I started working too, especially as a mom, you know, when we had kids, you're young, you're working, having my retired parents around was really helpful. And what that documentary enforced for me was you know, now that my parents are aging, it's important to be close by to help them with all their aging needs. Do- I'm doing a lot more doctor appointments, things mm-hmm. like that. And But having them around their grandchildren, it really improves their own mental health. That's right. And yeah. And I think even my kids, younger kids just need to know how to help take care of elderly people and the, understand that these grandparents and elderly people are actually a great source of wisdom and advice. Mm-hmm. And so that intergenerational relationship adds a lot more years to their age, which really is a win-win for everyone. Yeah. I try to remind my parents of that, you know, <laughs> when they're helping me out, you're going to live longer. Works really good for my dad. I know. <laughs> and I say this, I say this understanding, I am completely aware that some people don't have access to their parents or their parents have incredible challenges as they age or, you know, not everybody obviously has the same family dynamic and there's always levels of dysfunction, but it is helpful to have family around. And even when you're taking care of a family member that's difficult or they have significant medical needs, the more people that are around to help absorb, you know, that stress is helpful. Absolutely. It's mentally helpful. Absolutely. Um, So now for our fourth takeaway, you need to have a purpose in life. In Okinawa, they had a strong sense of ikigai, which is their reason for being. Similarly, in Nicoya, they were driven by their plan de vida or reason to live. In all the zones, faith played a role in their sense of purpose, especially in Ikaria and Loma Linda, where Faith was central to their purpose in life. I think in America and a lot of other places, happiness is often equated with wealth. Uh, Mm. People spend their whole lives chasing that coin. And we know from extensive research that after a certain point, wealth doesn't make you happy. Like the acquisition of more stuff 
doesn't make you happy. Right. And happiness is about finding ways to serve others and build meaningful connections with your community. And it was clear in the documentary that it's important for people to feel needed and valuable to others and have some intrinsic purpose driving them daily. Okay, so Dion, I was thinking about this practically, and I was thinking one thought I had was to mentor someone or yeah. to teach someone a skill because everyone has a skill that they don't even realize that they're good at. It can be professional mentoring, you know, if you're in a profession and for us, if somebody's pre-med or, you know, whatever that is, that's super helpful, but it can be really simple as teaching somebody how to cook a meal. If you're a good cook, you know, I have a really good friend here who asked me to show her how to cook a healthy meal in exchange for her teaching me how the machines work at the gym because I have no clue. <laughs> Seriously. Or, you know, tutor someone in another language if you're bilingual or a subject area you're strong in. You know, yeah. I once even had a friend teach me how to crochet a scarf. Yeah, it was really oh, basic. I learn that. But it was fun and I learned something. I have another really good friend and he taught me how to check all my tire pressures and like how to do some basic auto care because I am that stereotype where the dashboard flashes the emojis and I have and no, yeah, I have no face. idea. Yeah. And blank I'm just face. still driving like Jesus totally. take the wheel. Like, <laughs> you would not see that exclamation point? Yes. I'm like, it's fine. Everything's fine. But my point is, is that you are a great well of knowledge, okay? And so are the people around you. So ask for help. People actually like sharing, right, Mm Dion? Yeah, I know. And that's how you build your relationships, your communities, your networks, which was key in all of the Blue Zones. They had a community. So I think that's a good, good recommendation. Yeah. And hopefully you can learn something new. Yeah. So for those of you who watched the documentary, we want to know what your takeaways were. I want you to notice there were no pills, special diets, fad diets, exercise mm-hmm. moves, or and it wasn't about the latest medical technology that That's was right. mentioned. In fact, it was just the opposite. It was almost like rewind time and let's go back to the basics. And before someone jumps on us, I'm not saying no to modern medicine and (laughs) no to technology. I'm just saying that sometimes keep it simple. Just keep it basic. Prioritize eating more plants, incorporate movement in everyday activity. Things that you don't even think are exercise actually help with our flexibility and range of motion. Reach out to more friends and family and find ways to give back to your community. Share your skills, share your knowledge. Ask people for help. They like to help. (laughs) (laughs) And if they don't like to help, that's how you know they're not a good friend. They're not in your community. That's right. Exactly. (laughs) And apparently all of this makes you live longer and healthier. So great takeaway, great. So, okay, guys, that's the overview. And the documentary was very insightful and provided actionable information you can use to change your life starting today. Who knows? Maybe you'll live to 100 as well and start your own Blue Zone. 
Sorry for the spoilers for those who haven't watched it yet, but trust us, we only scratched the surface. So much more to learn. We hope you enjoyed this episode. For more Ivy Drip, head to our website at theivydrip.co or follow us on Instagram at theivydrip underscore podcast. Email us with your thoughts and comments about this documentary at info at theivydrip.co or send us a DM. We'd love to hear from you. Most importantly, don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. You can find it on all streaming platforms. Leave a review and spread the love. Bye.